0: You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our latest Judicial Watch update here on social media. Thanks for joining us on this busy week. A big congressional hearing on the Clinton Foundation uh, in, in which I testified on behalf of Judicial Watch. Hillary Clinton just gave us new email answers under oath. I'll talk about that. Plus, we have these new State Department documents from the Obama administration showing a last-minute effort to push classified information uh, to friendlies in the Senate in order to get Donald Trump and then of course there's this big uh, hullabaloo over General Flynn whether he was mistreated by the Mueller special counsel and the Obama gang and deep state at the Justice Department and also the plea deal or uh, sentencing of Michael Cohen the president's Uh, former attorney. So I have some commentary on that as well and some uh, interesting information you'll want to learn about. Uh, But first up is the hearing that was conducted by the House Government Oversight Subcommittee on Government Operations yesterday. It was chaired by Congressman Mark Meadows, who's one of those uh, heroic congressmen in the House who have been pushing for disclosure and accountability along the lines that Judicial Watch has been seeking on Russiagate and Clinton emails and such. And his hearing was designed to look at the Clinton Foundation and whether or not there's been appropriate oversight of it. And Judicial Watch was honored to be invited. I was honored to testify. I hope you were able uh, to watch the hearing yesterday. You may not have recognized me. I was in a suit and tie. But uh, I was able to testify about all of Judicial Watch's work, or much of it. about the Clinton Foundation. Now, you may not know a lot of this, and I have a feeling a lot of Americans who watched this yesterday they didn't know all the details, but Judicial Watch has been examining the Clinton Foundation since essentially day one in terms of the Clinton State Department, because when she came, first came office, or excuse me, when she first was nominated by Barack Obama as Secretary of State, Look, everybody, and not just Judicial Watch, was worried about what Bill Clinton was doing and what the intersection of the Clinton Foundation's activities would be with the Clinton State Department. So to put all those issues to rest, Hillary Clinton and the foundation and their lawyers came up with three, I think, three memos, three letters saying, look, there'll be no uh, involvement by Hillary Clinton in Clinton Foundation business while at the State Department, and she'll recuse herself from anything having to do with them. Uh, there'll be disclosures by of uh, foreign donors uh, and certain restrictions, and they'd have disclosures of con- contributors, which the law didn't require, but which they did anyway because senators were nervous about this, senators in both parties. So Mrs. Clinton's job as Secretary of State, her getting that job and her con- her being confirmed and presented by Barack Obama to the Senate, was contingent on her promises to run an ethical State Department. Now, Judicial Watch, we know about the Clinton's ethics. We didn't buy it. So we uh, monitored and asked to monitor that ethics process. We asked for documents in 2011. We were ignored for two years. We sued for them. We uncovered 215 speeches that Bill Clinton gave to foreign uh, governments, uh, foreign fronts, uh, domestic interests as well, that earned him and her $48 million. And the Justice Department, or excuse me, the State Department ethics official rubber-stamped all of it. So, so much for the ethics clearance process that they had promised when she came into office. And then subsequent to that, uh, and by the way, those documents we uncovered became the basis for Clinton Cash. Because one of the folks that he gave speeches to, for instance, was a front company or a company associated with Uranium One in Russia. It was a Russia uh, government-oriented country, uh, excuse me, a g- Russia government-controlled company called Renaissance Capital, and it's been linked to the Uranium One effort. And so uh, since then, and as a result of those documents and other things they were able to find, our friends Peter Schweitzer of uh, Clinton Cash fa- f- uh, fame was able to connect more dots and note that there were millions of dollars coming in from Uranium One fronts uh, to try to influence the Clintons, both personally and through the Foundation, uh, in order to get a good result on uranium-1, which is what they did get, ultimately. But secondly, we uh, also ran into the Foundation again in the Clinton email server, because after even those, that, that conflict of interest mess we uncovered, we found the Clinton email system. And on that system also was Yuma Abedin, Hillary Clinton's top aide, former Foundation official, in fact, later in the State Department, uh, later in the tenure of Hillary Clinton's State Department, Yuma Abedin worked at the State Department as a special government employee and at the Clinton Foundation. How's that for a conflict of interest? But we found that almost immediately, uh, as a result of uncovering the Clinton email system and the documents in them, that the Clinton Foundation was seeking favors on behalf of its donors. And, uh, and they were getting them. Some of these donors were foreign heads of state, shady foreign businessmen, and others. Others needed help with criminals getting visas, uh, into the so the, uh, criminals from uh, abroad getting visas. I mean, it was a real racket that was uh, being run uh, with the State Department and the Clinton Foundation. And uh, as I've said before, and I think I testified to yesterday, it was hard to tell where the Clinton State Department began and the Clinton Foundation ended. It was a seamless web. And it was Judicial Watch that exposed all this. And that led um, to the pressure for an FBI Justice Department investigation that began around 2015, 2016. And what happened? was the Justice Department, uh, the politicals at the Justice Department, the Obama administration tried to shut down what was a basic FBI investigation into what the Clinton Foundation was up to. And they were successful because obviously nothing's been done. And since then, nothing's been done. The Justice Department, when it comes to the Clinton corruption issues, has been frozen under the Trump administration by Jeff Sessions, who didn't want to do anything, and obviously nothing's happened since Jeff Sessions has been in office, uh, since Jeff Sessions has been removed from office, so uh, that—that's basically my testimony yesterday. I gave 17 pages of written testimony, more than 17 pages, and we'll uh, probably get a link for you here. Uh, so that's on the record. And what's remarkable is that this hearing, after years and years, was the first hearing on the Clinton Foundation that I recall. Maybe you, maybe you, maybe you remember one. I don't know them. They talked about uranium one. Miracle of miracles. Billions of dollars from Russia going into the Clinton Foundation, the personal coffers of Hillary Clinton while she's Secretary of State. Talk about a Russia collusion scandal. Where's the Justice Department on that? Also to testify supposedly was U.S. Attorney Mr. Huber, the famous Mr. Huber, the elusive Mr. Huber from Utah. He didn't show up. So that tells you what's happening at the Justice Department level. So, of course, it's Judicial Watch that's there on your behalf uh, and on behalf of the American people to tell Congress they need to investigate this. And I know the Democrats are going to take control of the House, so the uh, likelihood of the demo, uh, investigations is uh, really small now. So Judicial Watch is going to be doing all the work here. And on top of that, we have the issue of... Um, The, uh, uh, excuse me, on top of that, we had two more whistleblowers. They filed a complaint under the whistleblower statute related to the IRS against the Clinton Foundation, and they testified. And they testified that there were two individuals in the Clinton Foundation, one who they disclosed, I guess the former CFO or COO of the Clinton Foundation, who had concerns about the way it was being run, and someone else whose name they refused to divulge. They also had concerns that there was a Foreign Agent Registration Act issue for the Clinton Foundation. Isn't that interesting? Because that ties into Michael Flynn, General Flynn, who's been prosecuted under that law. Manafort has been prosecuted under that law. You know, but no one associated with the Clinton world has been prosecuted under that law. Isn't that curious? So it was quite the hearing. It was educational. Uh, the Democrats, uh, the lead Democrat on the committee, uh, Senator, excuse me, Congressman Connolly from Northern Virginia here, he attacked Judicial Watch because we didn't want to focus on the Cohen campaign finance deal. I didn't really understand what he was saying. But I pushed back. And um, so the hearing's available online. I encourage you to watch it. And uh, the full is available online. And so, you know, we're not done with the Clinton Foundation issue. We've asked for documents about the, as I said, this effort to suppress the investigation by the Justice Department. We're suing on that. And, of course, separately, and this is a nice segue into the next question uh, or the next topic, is that we're still investigating the linked Clinton email scandal because we didn't know about the pay-to-play scandal at the Clinton Foundation until we uncovered the Clinton email server at which on which the key documents were residing. And to that end, as I've talked about previously, we have two federal court judges who have granted judicial watch discovery. In the case of Judge Emmett Sullivan, who granted us discovery that saw witnesses come in in 2016, uh, he overrode the objections of Hillary Clinton last month, who didn't want to answer some questions by Judicial Watch under oath about her email system. And Judge Sullivan overrode those objections and ordered her to respond to these two key questions within 30 days. And um, as I said uh, before, the Justice Department's kind AWOL, it's even worse than AWOL because they were actually trying to come down on the side of Hillary Clinton and suggesting to the court that she didn't need to answer some of the questions we wanted answered. Thankfully the court rejected the Justice Department's request. But can you imagine sitting in there in the courtroom? Because I get to go to these hearings as i, I, I the client. I'm Judicial Watch's uh, corporate rep- representative, and Judicial Watch attorneys are uh, arguing for us in court. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching this Justice Department defend Hillary Clinton for being, having to answer additional questions about what she was up to at the State Department with her emails. And uh, so the 30 days that Mrs. Clinton had to answer the questions under court order were going to run on Monday, and Mrs. Clinton filed her answers today with the court. And uh, in some ways the answers aren't surprising, uh, but they put her on the record and under oath, which is more than what Congress is doing, which is more than what the Justice Department wants to do, And it's your Judicial Watch that's doing this work. And Judicial Watch's litigation resulted in Hillary Clinton having to answer previous questions by Judicial Watch under oath, and now these additional questions under oath. So this is the filing, it's a government filing, and I'll give you, I'm gonna read to you her specific answer on, I guess, one particular question that I think you'll be interested in, because it shows you, it's a little bit lengthy, the response, because it shows you the the difficulties that we have uh, in um, getting answers uh, from Hillary Clinton. Excuse me, this is the filing. And, excuse me while I get the page. Okay, so these are the, this is the first set of questions she was supposed to answer. Describe the creation of the ClintonEmail.com domain name and the decision to set the domain up on the existing server, I guess the Clinton email server, the date it was decided to create the domain and set it up on the existing server, uh, who made those decisions and when the, domain name, when the domain became operational on the existing server. So essentially the background is supposedly the Clinton office had an email server and they set up this specific domain name for Hillary Clinton uh, to benefit from by having this secret email system for her, Huma Abedin, and uh, actually her daughter Chelsea Clinton was also on that system. um, And her response is as follows, at least partially. Subject to, and without waiving the foregoing objections, and I won't torture you with all the objections, Secretary Clinton answers as follows. As Secretary Clinton prepared in late 2008, early 2009 to serve as Secretary of State, she was aware that President Clinton's office had set up an email system, but she had no role in this process. How did she become aware if she had no role? I don't know. Secretary Clinton knew that President Clinton's staff had recently upgraded that system. Hmm, So she knew that too. Secretary Clinton did not know, does not know what equipment that system used, how it was created, who decided that the system needed to be upgraded, or who else had accounts on the system. Secretary Clinton believes that one of presidents, one of the president's aides, Justin Cooper, set up the system. Secretary Clinton decided to use a Clinton email account on the system for the purposes of convenience, for the purpose of convenience. Secretary Clinton recalls that the ClintonEmail.com account was created in early 2009. Although Secretary Clinton does not have specific knowledge of the details of the creation of the account, the domain or the domain name, her best understanding is that Mr. Cooper set it up. So she focuses on this Clinton aide as setting it up. But the heart of the question is, why did she use it? What was she doing? And she said it was for convenience. Now, that answer is belied by the evidence and the testimony. Uh, the email system she had was a mess. It had to be rejiggered all the time. It was, I think, one point collapsed and had to be reset up again. Uh, on top of that, there were continuous complaints within the agency about the inability to communicate with her, and she was aware of that. She was also warned not to use this unsecure system. She did it anyway. And even uh, I think in one of the testimonies we received, and maybe it was from Aberdeen or Mills or uh, certainly one of the documents we had, uh, they show that uh, it was impairing her ability to do her job. And of course she had multiple devices. So the idea that there was convenience involved here is um, I think not credible, uh, and especially when You use this as an excuse to avoid record-keeping requirements under federal law, responding under law under the Freedom of Information Act, responding to congressional inquiries and investigators from uh, federal agencies internally and externally. To use the idea that it was just convenience, it doesn't ring true. And that's why Judicial Watch will be seeking additional evidence and discovery from Mrs. Clinton and others about the way this system was set up. And we have the ability to do that thanks to this discovery order that i previously discussed with you by Judge Royce Lambert, a different judge, who uh, called Mrs. Clinton's email system one of the gravest offenses uh, to our transparency laws. And so he wants to know whether or not that system was set up to evade FOIA. So he doesn't necessarily buy at face value that this was just a mere convenience issue. Certainly there's enough evidence to grant us discovery to explore whether that's true or not, and that's what Judicial Watch plans to do. This discovery that Judge Lambert granted us is, uh, has to be planned out uh, with the Justice Department and the State Department, and it will be due next Wednesday. So I'll have the details as to who will want to question and what documents we'll want next uh, week for you. But uh, isn't this amazing that it's Judicial Watch doing all this heavy lifting on this? The scandal isn't going away. Hillary Clinton isn't going away. Now, the establishment would have you believe Mrs. Clinton lost the election, so therefore she should get uh, a pass on all the misconduct and illegalities that may have happened prior to the election. But I don't believe that, and I don't think most Americans believe that. I don't think the president believes it, but he's not able to control the Justice Department because of this out-of-control Mueller operation. So what, we're good, what we do is that we use the law that we're able to use, the Freedom of Information Act, to get accountability. And hopefully that creates pressure for other federal agencies to do the right thing. And certainly in the least, it educates the American people about the operations of its government, the bad part, basically the corruption at the Clinton State Department and what she was trying to cover up, as I have just talked about with the Clinton Foundation issue. So there's a lot going on in the Clinton cases, and it's just remarkable that, uh, that it, it's still Judicial Watch taking the leadership here. And I don't say that to promote Judicial Watch. I say it because I'm upset about it, that Congress has been of little help. The Justice Department not only has been of little help if, but, if actively, but has actively opposed our efforts to get accountability still. So, but with your support, we're able to succeed in court. So all of these court successes I'm talking about, we're a charity. We get our ability to do this work from the generous support of Americans like yourself. So thank you, those of you who support us, and those of you thinking of supporting us, you see what the results are. Uh, speaking of results, we have new documents as a result of a litigation against the State Department. So what had happened was, at the end of the Obama administration, there was this effort to leak and disseminate classified information, supposedly to make it impossible for, impossible for President Trump to suppress evidence that he was colluding with the Russians. I mean, it's, it's kind of a cheeky summary, but it's pretty darn accurate. And we've already uh, seen that actually happened with Senator Cardin, a leading Democrat in the Senate. The State Department sent a dossier near the end of the administration. So there was more than one dossier out there. It was being wandered in various iterations throughout the Obama administration. It was all hands on deck. And we received more documents showing this desperate effort to get documents to friendlies in the Senate in the last days of the Obama administration. In fact, just the day before, up till the day before the Trump inauguration. We made the deadline, is the phrase the official uses in praising her colleagues' work to get the documents about Russia to uh, their friends in the Senate. We made the deadline, and what was the deadline? Trump's inauguration the next day. Absolutely incredible. In a Thursday, January 5, 2017, email chain, then, separate, then State Department Congressional Advisor Ara Abassi indicates that then Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affa- Affairs, Victoria Newlands, who's also involved in the dossier, bureau was attempting to get Russia intelligence, Russia investigation-related documents to the office of Senator Mark Warner, head of the intelligence or majority minority leader on the Intelligence Committee. Uh his office as quickly as possible. By the way, in June of 2016, Noonan permitted a meeting between Christopher Steele, Hillary Clinton's spy, who helped compile the dossier in a secret way through a cutout law firm for Hillary Clinton's campaign. So she permitted a meeting between Steele and the FBI's legal attache in Rome. So when things like that happened in, uh, Abroad, in U.S. embassies, you've got to have the State Department's approval. Newland told CBS News that the State Department knew about the Steele dossier in July 2016. In the email, with the subject line for immediate review call sheet for S-Call with Senator Warner, S, you know who S is? Kerry. I told Cardin's folks that the process is long. Can we ensure that there are no holdups on our end? Minutes later, Abbasi uh, confirms that Newland was fully aware of the information that State Department was providing to members of Congress, alleging Russia interference investiga- information. This is definitely on EURAS's radar, meaning that's the acronym for Ms. Newland. And as I say later, they uh, talk about they made, they made the deadline. Now, documents we had received earlier this year Show that the Obama State Department did in fact provide classified information to Senator Cardin. The documents show that Russia political interference in elections and politics in countries across Europe. So, you know, the, the the deep state would have you believe the Russians were only interfering in our elections to help Trump, and that was the end of it. When in fact they were trying to mess and push both candidates, depending on uh, what the issue was, and they were doing it in other countries as well. It doesn't mean you don't respond to it, uh, but let's not pretend this is all about Donald Trump, which is what the dishonest deep state Mueller operation left-wing media is telling you. So what we now have is incontrovertible evidence that the State Department was urgently trying to push out records, classified information about Russia, not in the public interest, but in a political interest. Because look, if this was in the ordinary course, they wouldn't care about deadlines. The State Department is still the State Department, no matter who is the president. And if there's a public interest in communicating with Congress, then it will continue after the president changes hands. The presidency changes hands, doesn't it? But to show the fact that they were desperate to try to get this information to their buddies in the Senate prior to the Trump inauguration, shows they knew they were up to no good. Where's the special counsel for this? No, but in the meantime, they're targeting Michael Flynn. They've had this Cohen disgraceful prosecution. And I'll talk about the, both of those issues. The Cohen case first. Excuse me, the Flynn case first. You know, I've, it's been always my belief personally that Michael Flynn, General Flynn, should be pardoned by President Trump. I don't think he lied. I think he was a targeted illicitly by the Obama gang, the deep state, and Robert Mueller. How do I know this? Well, we have confirmation. Today, in a filing demanded by Judge Sullivan, the judge who required Hillary Clinton to answer those questions today. Because Michael Flynn, in a sentencing memorandum, and I remember, Flynn admit, pled guilty to, quote, lying to the FBI agents that ambushed him in January of 2017, a week after the inauguration of President Trump, and uh, Flynn's lawyers, in trying to convince the judge that he shouldn't seek uh, get jail time, uh, said that, "Look, you know, there's, there's something shady that went on here. The FBI agents didn't warn him that lying to the FBI was a crime. Uh, he was uh, pushed not to have a lawyer present." And the big thing is that there were no indications he lied. And the document, and the response by the special counsel's office confirm all the concerns that people have about what happened to Michael Flynn. Because the document shows that the FBI agents, including the corrupt Peter Strzok, who interviewed him, found that he hadn't lied. And I'm going to read the specific report detailing that. Now there's missing information uh, from the filing that we don't have the full detail of what went on there, but the government admits this. And they highlighted it in the brief to the court. Struck and blank, so we don't know the name of the, agent, of the other agent, both had the impression at the time that Flynn was not lying or did not think he was lying. Flynn struck struck as, quote, bright, but not profoundly sophisticated. So not only that, He was a nice guy, and he didn't seem to be the type of guy who would lie. And the suggestion is, further, that he didn't lie to people everyone says he lied to. And the only evidence they have, and you read the brief, the only evidence they have that Flynn lied is his admission that he lied, which I don't think should be taken with much weight, given the jail time he was facing and the financial ruin he was facing uh, with this, outrageous special counsel operation bearing down on him. And on top of that Andrew McCabe, the corrupt Andrew McCabe, who was fired as number two of the FBI for targeting, uh, for lying, uh, also did the following misconduct. Listen to this. I'm going to read it and you decide whether this is on the up and up. I explained to Lieutenant General Flynn that my desire was to have two of my agents interview him as quickly as possible, as quickly, quietly, and discreetly as possible. He agreed and offered to meet with the agents today. And this is dated January 24, 2017. We had some discussion about the timing and ultimately agreed to conduct the interview at his office in the White House at 1430 this afternoon. I explained that I thought the quickest way to get this done was to have a conversation between him and agents only. This, by the way, Flynn is the national Security advisor to the President of the United States. McCabe is the number two official at the FBI. I further stated that if Lieutenant General Flynn wished to include anyone else in the meeting, like the White House Counsel, for instance, that I would not I would need to involve the Department of Justice. He stated this would not be necessary and agreed to meet with the agents without additional participants. How do you like that corruption? And on top of that, I just realized, or I just read somewhere, because I had missed the interview this weekend, on MSNBC, James Comey admitted he was behind this crap. He took advantage of the fact it was early in the administration. Things were confused. He knew that White House counsel typically would have to get involved here. And they thought he could get away with just sending the agents over because of the confusion. And McCabe was in on it. I don't know what Judge Sullivan's going to do with all this, because, as I said, General Flynn has ultimately admitted to the crimes here to, to lying. But if I were the judge, I'd be asking some questions about what went on here. And if I were the president, I would pardon General Flynn in a heartbeat. I'd pardon him in a heartbeat I, I, and, and, and Flynn's heroism heroism and I, hero, heroism is. Mike Flynn is an American hero. And I encourage you to go online and look at the various filings that have been taken that were filed on his behalf. He has a remarkable military record. His work saved countless American lives. And this is this is the way he was treated by the number two and number one at the FBI, the corrupt McC- Comey mccabe duo. And the idea that Mueller took this, this uh, fake crime up and ran with it and brought the hammer of the federal government down on him to force him to admit to lying? I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. And, of course, Judicial Watch has Freedom of Information Act requests and lawsuits for all of this. And you know what the pretext for the meeting was? A news article that contained an illegal leak of a conversation that was recorded between Flynn and the Russian ambassador. A conversation that was perfectly fine and appropriate. So the deep state leaked something illegally, and they used that leak as a pretext to go and ambush and entrap the president's national security advisor. That's the scandal. That's the scandal. Now, the other big scandal news this week is, uh, and one the president's having to contend with is, his lawyer, his former lawyer, his former lawyer Michael Cohen, was sentenced to three plus years in jail by a federal court judge. Now, what did he admit to doing? He admitted to lying to Congress about the president's Russia estate, real estate plans. I looked at what he allegedly lied about. It's not even clear he lied. He allegedly uh, filed, uh, and he admitted to filing. Uh, false tax returns and not reporting income, so there's a tax problem. Don't need a special counsel for that. He admitted to filing false home equity and bank loan loan documents, none of which led to any losses for financial institutions. So that's that's not a serious issue in terms of having a special counsel prosecute them. And More dangerously, he admitted to a non-crime, which was this campaign finance violation that the media and the special counsel's trying and the Southern District of New York, which is, I guess, competing with the special counsel to get Donald Trump, by laundering this fake crime in through this plea agreement. And the problem is the courts, this blessingness, because you get the government agreeing that it was a crime and the defendant agreeing it's a crime, so it's up to groups like Judicial Watch and other disinterested parties, say, hold on a second, this is not what the law is. Because the allegation is that private payments made uh, to women associated who, who supposedly were associated with then candidate Trump, are campaign finance contributions or connected to the campaign and should have been reported. And that's not the case. If the payments were made in a, uh, for a matter that had a personal impact, and could have been made with or without a campaign, it's not a campaign contribution. And in the case of this, one of the payments was made by a third party news organization to buy the rights to a story. And they're saying that's campaign related. Well, isn't that interesting? So every expenditure by news organizations that benefit a candidate are potentially campaign finance law violations and should be reported Oh, no. Oh, no. So now the left is talking, well, the president, he's, you know, and Cohen supposedly says uh, or says that the president was involved in all of this. So, and of course, the special counsel in the Southern District of New York make hay of the fact that's the case, put his name in there and generate calls for impeachment based on his involvement in these dubious campaign finance charges. Even though uh, there's no good faith basis to bring them, in my view. And just don't take my word for it, our friend Hans von Spikowski, who used to be a commissioner at the FEC, he understands the law. He agrees com- completely, completely with me, and a lot of other neutral people as well. So. Um, There's a real law and order crisis in Washington, D.C., and it has nothing to do with the conduct of President Trump. It has everything to do with the conduct of this Justice Department, this FBI, and other agencies that were hijacked to try to target and discredit President Trump. And right now there's a concerted effort being run by the Mueller Special Counsel operation to launder dirt into court filings to prep the public for an impeachment effort by the President's... Uh, incoming opponents in the House of Representatives. So it's a real crisis, and Judicial Watch is asking tough questions about this issue. We're filing lawsuits. We have key lawsuits on all of this. And what should the response be by the president? Disclose the documents. We've got the documents that will expose what went on here. In the case of Judge Sullivan, he saw these allegations Flynn was making about the misconduct of the FBI potentially, and he said, I want to see the documents. And my question is, why hasn't the Justice Department produced these documents publicly before? Because they would be embarrassing to the Mueller operation and undermine further, if it were possible, his credibility. So Judicial Watch is going to be asking for documents like this. We've got 30-plus lawsuits into the deep state effort to undo the election of 2016. And you can trust that we're going to keep on pushing these Uh, document requests and Freedom of Information Act requests and lawsuits. And you can see our heavy lifting gets some major results, certainly on the Clinton issues, and we've gotten key issues uh, out there on uh, on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act recently. And, of course, we're in Congress taking the lead on the Clinton Foundation. So there's a lot going on. I'll have a lot more for you next week, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Have a wonderful and safe weekend. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.